Uh, a few years ago, the Muppets, y'all know the Muppets with Kermit and Miss Piggy and all them and Fozzie Bear, the, the Muppets and CeeLo, uh, or Cleo Green, they performed a Christmas song entitled, All I Need Is Love. Now, this song, that they sang about all the things they wanted for Christmas, the gifts they were longing for, the things that were on their wish list, the latest technology they wanted to enjoy. But at the core of the song, uh, it captures the true message of Christmas. The Muppets and Cleo said all they wanted was love. They didn't want stuff. They didn't need stuff. All they wanted and all they needed for Christmas was love. Now, the Muppets didn't mean to make a theological statement in their song, but they recognized that every human's need for love. We need love. And we were built that way. We were built to have to have love. Uh, so today, as we celebrate the, the final Sunday on Advent uh, of, and looking at our journey of God with us, we are celebrating love. The love that God has for us. When Jesus came into our world as a baby so many years ago, was born in, in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, he was the human embodiment of God's gift of love towards mankind. When he came as Emmanuel, when he came as God with us, he came as God incarnate, the love of God wrapped in flesh. Now, the word Advent, of course, we've been looking at it for the last four weeks. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It is a season that is marked by expectation, by longing, with anticipation. In Advent, it's not an extension of the Christmas holiday. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future together. In Advent, we look back at the hope that was fulfilled when Jesus came as the Messiah, when the promise was given so many years ago in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell and God said, I've got to cast you out, but I promise to redeem you. I promise to send a Redeemer to make everything whole again. They looked forward back those years ago. They looked forward to the, the, the coming Messiah. And so in Advent, at Christmas, we look back to the, the hope that was fulfilled when Jesus was born as a baby in the manger, but we also look forward forward in hopeful anticipation to the day when Jesus will come again. As he ascended to the Mount of Olives, the angels came and said, the Jesus you see leaving now, he's going to come again in like manner and receive you to himself. And so we look back thanking God for the fact that he came as a Messiah to redeem us. And we look forward to the truth that he's coming again one day as our king to set up his earthly kingdom and rule and reign with us forever. And so we look forward and we look back at the same time. And so each week we've focused on different aspects or different attributes of God represented in the coming of Jesus. We've looked at the hope of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, and the love that God gives us with he, since he came to be with us. So this morning, as we look at the love that God with us brings, we're going to look at a love story between Mary and Joseph. So look in your Bible in Matthew chapter number 1, starting verse number 18. The <clears throat> Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise... When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, 
Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him Mary his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Our culture is obsessed with love stories. There's poems about it, there's, there's songs about it, there's movies about it, there's stories about it, there's novels about it. Just We are obsessed with with love stories. And we try to incorporate love stories in, in the Christmas season. Of course, if you've ever watched one Hallmark Christmas movie, you've watched them all, by the way. They're all the same plot. Somebody loves somebody who's out of their league or that's not a right fit, and something happens, and Christmas, boom, and they're happy again. But so we, we try, we are obsessed with love in our culture. We've been inspired by love, we've been moved by love, we've been confused by love. At times, we've been intrigued by it, and we, we try to understand love. And that is a longing, a desire that was created inside of us. God gave us the desire for love because he wanted us to long for something that we could really only tr truly find satisfaction in through him. So God's love is woven through our very creation and existence and being. But have you ever thought of the story of Mary and Joseph as a love story? I, I know we've heard it a lot, but we typically don't think of it as a common or a very, a very regular love story. Now, ancient Israel, of course, during this time, uh, is under Roman, the Roman Empire rule. And in the small village of Nazareth, there lives a carpenter named Joseph. He, he has noble ancestry. He is a descendant of King David, but he lives a humble life working as a carpenter. He, he grew up in Bethlehem, but at some point he moved to Nazareth, which is about 70 miles north of his hometown. And Joseph, he'd, he'd probably been working in Nazareth long enough to establish himself as an honorable and a successful craftsman. And Joseph was an eligible bachelor. He was probably around 20 years old, and he was ready to get married, settle down, and establish his own family. And the young girls of the village, or really the fathers of the village, would recognize and notice Joseph. In ancient, in ancient Jewish customs, they were very different than our customs. In ancient Jerusalem... You didn't see a pretty girl across the room and catch her eye and think, I'm going to go talk to her and, you know, get her number and start texting her. And you didn't do any of that. It was very, very romantic. A girl's dad came to you and said, hey, you want to buy my daughter? Very different than our culture today. Uh, but the, the, they followed a lot of legal guidelines in their dating and marriage, and it happened in three stages, the contract, the consummation, and the celebration. So what would happen first, and we know through history and culture what happened with Mary and Joseph, was Mary's father 
would approach Joseph and propose marriage to him. I, I don't think he got on one knee. I don't think that's how it happened, but he would come to Joseph and say, Hey, Joseph, you know my daughter Mary. Would you be interested in marrying her? And they would come to an agreement, and Joseph would pay a dowry. He would give her father money. He would give her, her father gifts, and they would sign a legally binding contract that when she was old enough, when it was uh, proper, when, it was ready to, when they were ready to be married, then they would be married. Now, at this point, when the contract was signed, they were 100% married. It was, it, it was, she was his wife already. They didn't date. They didn't know each other. They didn't even get to kiss or hold hands, but they were legally married to each other. After they were legally married, that's when they started dating. They would get to know each other. Mary stayed at home. She still lived with her parents. She, Joseph still lived in his home, and now they didn't go to movies and whatnot, but they would, they would get together. They would be with family. They always had chaperones with each other. And so they had these chaperones, and it was very, very proper and prim, and, but they would get to know each other. And this, this could go on for years, and it really depended on how old the daughter was. So Mary was a young teenager, and so when she finally was old enough to be married, what would have happened was Joseph would have gotten a bunch of his friends together. They would have walked down to Mary's house where she had a bunch of family and friends at her house, they would meet, they would go inside, they would consummate the marriage while everyone else waited outside. So it was weird. Then they would come out and everyone would have a celebration. And so you look at these cultures and you look at these things and you think, man, that is so unromantic and weird. But we know from the Bible that Joseph deeply loved Mary. And we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to show it to you later. And so this is the stage that it would have taken. But something happened. Mary was younger than Joseph. And tradition teaches she was probably a marriageable age. So she would have known who Joseph was. She would have understood he was a young, rugged, strong man who had a good future ahead of him. And so eventually this couple, they were married. They were bound to each other for life. They started to grow in love. And they started to learn to, each, to, to become to know each other. And maybe... They were getting close to the day where Joseph was going to get his friends together and go down and officially be married to, to his wife and claim her as his wife and start their life together when he got some, some pretty shocking news. When Mary came to him and told him she was pregnant, he knew it wasn't his. Imagine a bombshell, how he felt when the woman he was espoused to, he was married to, he was promised to. The woman he had begun to know and fall in love with and he thought she loved him and they trusted each other. How, how much he must have been heartbroken. How he felt. Mary comes and says, Joseph, I know this sounds crazy, but an angel visited me and he, he told me that I'm going to have a baby. And the angel said his, his name's going to be Jesus. He said he's going to be great and he'll be called the son of the most high God. And God, Joseph, has chosen me to give birth to the Messiah, the, the virgin that's prophesied in Isaiah. That's me, Joseph. God's blessed me and chosen me. And Joseph, we know from Scripture, didn't believe her. Because he knew. And everyone knew. There's only one way to get pregnant. And Joseph knew he hadn't been involved. And everyone knew that if he had been involved... He would have dishonored Mary. 
And so if he had been involved, then he would have been a disgrace to the society, and he would have been a disgrace to his family, like Mary was now a disgrace. And this was, this was all too much for Joseph. We don't know what he did. Maybe he walked away heartbroken. Maybe he yelled and screamed. We don't know what he did, but we know that he decided he didn't believe her for a while. And maybe this, this is a time that Mary went and spent three months with Elizabeth, the, the only woman on the earth who would have believed her and understood what she was going through because she'd had a, an angel visit her six months earlier telling her about a miracle child she was going to have. But she went to Elizabeth, and this probably gave her family time to figure out what to do, gave Joseph time to figure out what to do and decide how he was going to proceed and how would people believe this story. Joseph didn't even believe it. Could they even believe it? Could Joseph forgive her for this betrayal that he felt he had? Now, we know Joseph loved Mary because of how he reacted even before the angel came to see him, even when he thought she was lying. Joseph had every legal right to divorce Mary. He had every legal right to drag her before the Jewish council, have her put on trial, convicted, and he could have had her stoned for adultery. He had every right to do that. But the Bible says in verse 19 that being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily. He didn't want to bring shame to her. So he decided he was going to divorce her. You look in the Greek, that's what he means. He was going to divorce her, but he was going to do it privately. He was going to do it quietly. He was probably going to leave and move to another town where no one knew what was going on so he could start over and she would not have any shame on her. He decided to spare her from the, the shame that he thought she probably deserved. Despite the fact that he was hurt, he still loved and he still cared for her. Now, the circumstances, of course, they're very different from anything we're ever going to face. But the feelings, the emotions, the relational challenges, they're no different than what we struggle with today. Mary and Joseph's story is a love story. But it's also a supernatural love story that involves every person who's ever lived. So let's dig a little deeper into this love story and look at how it affects us and how we can experience the supernatural love of God with us through their story. First thing we need to notice is, number one, God is love. In this story, we can and we do see Joseph's love for Mary. And we see the turmoil that he went through. He's, he's heartbroken. And he's thinking about how he's going to handle this and how he's going to, to start his life over after his, his espoused wife has, has betrayed him and cheated on him. And he doesn't know what he's going to do. And he's, he's confused. But we see that he loved Mary. But we see more than that. We see the love of God in this story. We see the love of God for a rebellious people that had rejected and ignored him their entire existence. And his love is so strong for these people that he willingly wraps himself in humanity. He comes to his creation to die for, for man, to be buried and rise again, to redeem mankind to himself. God gives the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate display of love to fix our broken relationship with him. And in all the details, in all the drama of their story, there's only God, loving, 
and moving throughout humanity to fix what was broken. The Apostle John said it best when he said it in John, 1 John chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The very nature of God is love. It is love in its purest and truest form. Love was there at the center of God's creative forces. When God created everything, when he spoke the world into existence, when he breathed the breath of life into humanity, he did it out of love and desire to fellowship with us. This is the nature of God. Love was there even when the world fell into sin and rebellion. When God came looking for Adam and Eve and he knew where they were, he knew what they had done, but he came to them, even after they had sinned and were hiding from him and had wrapped themselves in fig leaves, God, out of love, came to them to tell them, you've sinned, you must be punished, but I love you so much and I care for you so much, I'm going to do anything I can to bring you back into relationship with us. Love with him. Love was there making a way for Adam and Eve and for all of humanity to be restored to their heavenly father. Love forged the covenant between Abraham Love led the Israelites through relocation, resettlement, triumph, and imprisonment as they wandered through the wilderness. Love guided and corrected and exhorted and showed mercy to the disobedient and distracted Israelites throughout the Old Testament. And in Mary and Joseph's story, love was taking the form of a little baby in the Messiah, in Jesus. Love is God with us. And love would be there with Mary. Love would be there with Joseph to care for them and provide for them everything they needed. Love is enough. God is enough and his love is faithful. We see God is love. Second thing we notice is God gives love. Mary's journey to Elizabeth's house couldn't have been an easy trip. It's a long journey. It was hot. She's confused. She's heartbroken as well. She's told the man she loves this incredible miracle that God visited her and God has chosen her to be used to bring forth the Messiah. And she's confused about it. How could God choose her? She's not worthy anyway. And she doesn't know what to do. And so she goes to Joseph to kind of explain it to him and maybe get his, his help and his guidance. And he's going to be there and say, oh, Mary, I'm so proud of you. God's chosen you. You're worthy. He's he, he doesn't believe her, and he, he runs away from her, casts her out, and so she's confused. She's heartbroken. It's a long journey. The road was lonely as she dealt with the pain and the hurt in Joseph's eyes and his words, his disbelief and confusion, but she knew the truth. But would anyone else believe her? What was going to happen to her? How was people going to react? But as soon as Mary arrived... She was greeted with love. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 42. And she spake out with a loud voice, talking about Elizabeth, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her 
from the Lord. Now, Elizabeth was carrying her own miracle, John the Baptist, and she confirmed to Mary that God was with her and that love was there for her, that God was there and everything was going to be okay. And Mary's response was overwhelming. Verse number 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded my, the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. In the middle of Mary's crisis, God provided the love that she needed through another person who understood her and loved her and supported her. And that is how God still works today. God gives love to us through those people in our lives. As we walk in his love, he knows what we need, and he brings it to us through others around us. And that's a tremendous blessing to have the love of God given to us through other people. But it's also a tremendous blessing to be used of God to show his love to someone else. Because he uses people to show his love, he often uses us to provide that love and that support for others. Mary received the love of God she needed, but Joseph's needs were different. He's still upset. He's still heartbroken. In his pain and his confusion, he decides to divorce Mary quietly, privately. So she doesn't have shame, but still he wants to separate and start a life over with another woman. The pain was too much. He, he couldn't believe this was happening. Legally, he could have taken Mary to the courts and had her tried and potentially stoned to death, but he still loved her. And he couldn't do that. But he, he couldn't handle what he saw as a breach of trust. The law allowed him to divorce her quietly and not just make a public disgrace of her. And that's when, in this supernatural love story, God knew that Joseph needed a supernatural display of love. Joseph also got a visit from an angel with a message in Matthew 1.20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God knew at the heart of Joseph's pain was fear. Fear that Mary didn't love him. Fear that Mary had broken his trust. Fear that what people would say and fear of the shame that would come. And so God gave Joseph the reassurance that he needed to trust Mary and to trust her love and ultimately to trust God and God's love for him. God was going to make a way in this amazing, unbelievable, dangerous, supernatural, and ultimately triumphant love story. And so Joseph chose to love and to trust, even though the culture and the law said so he didn't have to. And that is a beautiful reflection of God's own choice to love and false relationship with us. Even though sin means death and separation from God, from the holy, perfect God, in his nature of pure love, God chose us. God chose to come down and take on the form of a child. 
God chose to live a perfect, sinless life. God chose to die on the cross in place of our sins and shed his blood for us. God chose to rise again from the dead to redeem us to God the Father. God chose to love us. He chose us even at the price of his own son. It was the love of God that brought Jesus to earth to give his life to us. For us, It was the love of God with us, God's perfect love in human form that we celebrate during Advent. And it's this love that knows exactly what we need and when we need it, no matter what we're facing this Advent season. Whatever you need today, whatever you're facing, whatever your burden, whatever your trial, God's love is there for you. It is here and it is working in your life. And as mind-blowing as it is, God's love is eternal because God is eternal. God has always loved you and God always will love you, no matter what. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is love, and God gives his love to you because he loves you. But here's the third thing we notice. Not only is God is love and God gives love, God loves through us. Like any true God-written love story, Mary and Joseph's love didn't end with themselves. It was built upon the foundation of God's perfect supernatural love and they trusted God and they followed and obeyed God. And when they opened their hearts to God's love, he allowed it to flow through them to the rest of the world. Mary and Joseph were in it together and they had experienced incredible events that God brought to their lives. They experienced a long journey to Bethlehem the de and that desperate night with Mary about to give birth, but they had no place to rest. So they had to go into a stable. They experienced the birth of the Messiah and they experienced his first cry and they held in their arms God's promise of love in that stable. They experienced the, the visit of the shepherds and the visit of the wise men a couple years later. And they, they experienced the, the angelic visitors and the warnings uh, to go to another country to protect their child. And then it came back to them to return. And they understood that Jesus' life existed for all of us. He is God with us. His love was offered not just to those two, but it was offered to the rest of the world. And they chose to live with open hands, trusting in and living out the miraculous love that had been given to them. In this Advent season, we have the opportunity to reflect on how we can do the same. How we can allow God to love through us. The Bible says in John chapter 13, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. God gave you his supernatural love for you to give to other people. God wants to love your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, that guy at work that just irritates the fire out of you, 
God wants to love them through you. He wants to use you to show his love to a lost and dying world. And the ability to, to love others, it begins as we open ourselves up to God's love. It begins at salvation. If you've never experienced the love of God, the saving love of God to, to redeem you and pay for your sins, you can't love others like God wants you to. You have to understand that you're a sinner condemned to hell with no hope of getting out on your own, but God loved you so much he came to earth. He lived a perfect life, died a death that you deserved, shed his blood for you, was buried for you, rose again for you to redeem you to God the Father. And if you believe that and trust in God's love, you can receive him as your Savior. But if you've never experienced that, if you've never experienced God as your Savior, you can't love Others like God wants you to. But if you're here this morning and you have experienced God's love and you've accepted him as your savior, you have the incredible opportunity to love others as God's loved you. To give his love to those who need it. But you have to open yourself up and allow God to love through you. And his love in you, it grows and it overflows us as we extend kindness and care and support for others around us. We can trust and know that it is love that holds us and keeps us because God is with us and God's love is always with us. It's an eternal, vast, powerful love. But at the same time, it's a gentle, tender, personal love just for you. And it's a love that will make a way no matter what we're facing this season. Not just today, but in the days ahead as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.